we are in the middle of a sermon series. Well, we just started it. Fran kicked it off last week, but it's called But God. And as you read through the scriptures, you see that uh, our condition has been given or our situations happened with someone. And then there's a comma and it says, but God or God responded. Or it, so the, the beautiful thing that we see, and, and as we were very intentional about this graphic, um, where the line is is kind of the situation, our, our, uh, what's going on with us, what's happening in our life. And then the, there's a comma, and sometimes that situation, you see it's, it's got black around. It's just, it's, sometimes it's desperate. So like to, today we're going to talk about our situation being very, very dire. Uh, but then God comes on the scene. Then God responds. And that's in the beautiful colors and, and, and God's presence, God's response. God, what God does is always um, for his children powerful and wonderful and, and, and majestic uh, until he can no longer do that because of his having to judge and that kind of thing. But, uh, but the bottom line, we're, we're going to be looking at some but God stories. And uh, so I want to encourage you guys, if you've got a story where, where God has ministered to you or you've been in a situation and, and it was so desperate or so dire or, or it was a situation where, you know, unless God came through, things were not going to be good. Uh, we've got a website that uh, has a link that allows you to, to go and uh, type in your God, but God story. Uh, you know, my situation was this, and, and then God came through and did that. So it's a wonderful opportunity for us to just hear some responses of how God's working. You can do it anonymously. You can put your name to it. But the opportunity for us just to hear how God has responded, how God has blessed, how God has cared for us is a big part of what we're wanting to do here uh, in this sermon series. So this morning we're going to look at Ephesians, and uh, you've got it in your bulletin, uh, but Ephesians chapter 2, we're just going to read the first verse in the verses 3 through 5, but Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says this, uh, and you were dead in your offenses or your transgressions and your sins. So we need to know that th- that line there for us prior to coming to Christ, prior to becoming a Christian, our state in all of humankind, our, our uh, existence is we might be living, but we are dead in our sins. Our sins have caused, caused us to be uh, not fully embracing all that God would have for us to enjoy in this life. We're, we're dead to the things of God, um, and it's because of our, our sins. And then he goes on to say, uh, among them we all previously lived in the lust of our flesh, uh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. And here it is, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So our condition, because of our choices, because of our sin, we were separated from God, which means we were dead. And then God, because of his, Bible says, his rich mercy, because of his great love that he had for you, made us alive together in Christ. And so uh, we know that we, uh, through faith in Christ, are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that we, that we have life now because of faith in Christ. Before we were dead, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love that he had for us made us alive together in Christ. And it's through faith by God's grace that we're saved. And so, um, you know, the, the black line there or the, the white line in the black is basically that we were dead in our sins, but God being rich in mercy has caused us to be alive together, caused us to be born again, caused us to have life and life eternal 
And that's something great to celebrate because when we come to faith in Christ and we become alive with him, uh, our spirit, our soul become alive and, and, and we now can encounter the living God. We now can have a relationship with God and we now can see things through the way God says, here's true reality. And it's a life that is abundant life, a life that's uh, uh, to, to the fullest extent of what God intended for his creation. And Paul was saying to everybody, you know, the, the scripture says all have messed up. We've all been in this situation where we're dead in our sins. And if it wasn't for God making the first initial step to us, we would all, once we die, we would, we, we'd be gone. We'd be dead for eternity. So there, there's no hope for everlasting life. But in Christ, we have life everlasting. So this idea of God being rich in mercy, um, that word rich there means exhaustless, wealthy, abounding in material resources, abounding and abundantly supplied. And so God's mercy for you, God's mercy for me is more than we ever need. It's, it's, it's so plentiful. It's so abounding in, in mercy. Um, so when God gives his mercy toward us, uh, we see uh, a definition in the Greek of mercy is kindness or goodness toward the miserable. And we were all in a miserable state. And the afflicted, joined with a desire to help them. So when we see God extending mercy or someone extending mercy in the Bible, it's this idea of having uh, benevolence toward or, or kindness toward or goodness toward someone. And, and there's uh, a response to come to the aid of, come to the assistance of when someone has mercy. They not only have compassion and care for that person, but it moves them to want to do Something for that person good. Do something good for that person. Let me remind you of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, there was a teacher of the law and, he, and, he, and a lawyer, actually, that came to Jesus and said, you know, uh, how do you get to heaven? What do you got to do to have eternal life? Because they wanted to test Jesus. So this lawyer said, hey, what, you know, how, do you, how do you get to heaven? And Jesus said, well, you tell me, how have you read the scriptures? What, what does the scriptures say to you? How, how would you answer that question? And he said, well, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, yeah, if you do that, then you'll live. And then Luke, who writes this uh, particular account, says, and the lawyer wanted to justify himself, so he said, then who is my neighbor? So if you've got to love God and love your neighbor, then let's qualify who these neighbors are. So who, you know, who am I supposed to love? Uh, and Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. This man gets beaten up, he's left half dead, he's been robbed, and people come by and they don't help him. And this one guy comes by, and he is actually from Samaria, which, you know, when they heard that, the Jewish mindset was like, oh no, this is a Samaritan? He's the good guy in the story? Well, anyway, the, the Samaritan sees this guy, has compassion for him, and he begins to, to doctor him up. And he puts him on his own animal and gets him to a place where he can be cared for and pays for the guy to get cared for and says, hey, I'm going to come back and check on this guy. And if he uses, if it takes more money to care for this guy than what I've given you, I'm going to make good on whatever it takes for you to make sure he's doing okay. So don't neglect any care for this fellow. And so at the end of this parable, he said, all right, now who, who was the neighbor? And the response of the lawyer was the one who showed mercy. The one who had compassion and did something about those emotions that he felt toward that poor man who was beaten up and lying on the road. And Jesus' response was this, go and do likewise. Go and show mercy to people. Go and, and be merciful. That's what I want you to do. I want you to love God 
and love other people. And as you love other people, the way you love and the way you show love is multifaceted. But one of the ways is to be merciful, to care for people and then respond. Don't just look for somebody and say, oh gosh, I'm sorry that guy's hurt. Or oh gosh, I'm sorry this person is in this situation and do nothing about it when it's in our power to do something about it. So that's what Jesus said, show mercy. So this idea of mercy is kindness and goodness toward the miserable or the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. Now, I've used Webster's 1828 dictionary before, and, you, and I've given you all some examples. And let me tell you what, how Webster defined mercy back in the 1800s. He said, that benevolence, mildness, and tenderness of heart which deposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves, the disposition that tempers justice and induces that person or that injured person to forgive trespasses, injuries, and the forbearance of punishment, or to inflict less than the law or justice will warrant. So this idea of, of if you've been wronged, when you respond in mercy, you don't give that person back what they deserve. You don't give them back more than they deserve, and you don't give them back as much as they deserve. And, and we see that in God's response to humankind. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, because God is the rightful judge, he is to pronounce judgment on us, and, he, and we are to die. And so um, in his mercy, though, because of his great mercy, he says, no, I'm not going to inflict punishment on them. I'm going to give them time. I'm going I'm to be patient toward them. I'm going to give forbearance in my response. And I'm going to say, no, I'm going to wait. And hopefully there'll be an opportunity for them to, to respond to my love and my goodness and change from the habits that they're doing that, are, that cause them to be dead and to respond to my grace and my love and to live a life that's going to be good. So all throughout the scriptures, you see God being merciful to people. And, uh, and so let me give you a, a couple of examples of that. Well, let me give you a few more, uh, few more things. Um, when we have mercy, we uh, help the afflicted or help that person, uh, and we bring about that help and that healing in a way that it benefits them. So all throughout the gospel accounts, we see Jesus as he's living and walking and doing and doing all these things, and people see him, they cry out many times, Lord, have mercy on me. In other words, my desperate state is this, and if God doesn't come through for me, I'm in even deeper trouble. God, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, in Matthew 9, 27, we see two blind men crying out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. In chapter 15 of Matthew, we see a Canaanite woman coming to Jesus. She's from the land of Canaan, she's, and she says, you know, have mercy on me because my daughter uh, is in serious trouble. Please, please respond to me in, in grace and, and help me and my daughter. In chapter 17, the same thing. We have a massive crowd, and a man comes up to Jesus. He falls down before him. He says, Lord, have mercy on me because my son is in a bad situation. Uh, we see um, in Acts 20, two blind men coming up to Jesus, crying out, saying, Lord, have mercy on us. In, Acts, in Luke 17, we see 10 men who have leprosy. They come to Jesus and they cry out and they say, Lord, have mercy on us. And so constantly through the gospels, you see people coming to Jesus who need assistance, who need aid, who need healing, who need help. And they say, you know, you can do something about it. So please look to me with compassion and then act on that compassion that you have toward me. And we know that Jesus does 
We know that Jesus does because of Matthew 9. It says, seeing the people, he, Jesus, felt compassion for them because they were distressed and uh, dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. So we see Jesus responding to, to humankind because we were like sheep without a shepherd. So God is merciful toward us. Jesus was merciful to the people of his day. And so in turn, God wants us to be merciful to others. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples. Um, uh, Luke 6, 36 says, be merciful just as your father is merciful, Jesus said. So basically he's saying, how do I want you to respond to others? There's lots of ways, of course, but make sure that you are merciful. Make sure that you extend tenderness and kindness toward people when you're able to help them, help them. Don't just turn the other way and look, look um, to do whatever you want to do. And the reason he says be merciful because your father's mercy, because if you don't show mercy, then you're not going to receive mercy. And James says this in James 2, 12 and 13. It says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So if we don't show mercy, then God's going to say, why haven't you shown mercy? I've shown mercy to you. And then we won't get mercy. And that's a very sobering thought. Another, uh, this scripture is also backed up by a parable Jesus tells. He tells about a, a slave who has this massive debt and he can't pay it. And so his owner uh, calls him in, his master calls him in and uh, says, you need to pay your debt. And the man falls down before his, his master and he says, give me some time. Just, just have, you know, have a little patience with me and I'm going to pay you back everything. And so his master has compassion for him and has mercy for him. He says, look, I'm going to forgive you this entire debt. And it's a massive amount of debt. And then this slave goes in turn and finds someone who owes him money, a fellow slave. And Jesus in the parable says, this guy grabs him by the neck, his, his other slave, and begins to choke him. He says, give me back what you owe me. Pay your debt to me. And the percentage of what the debt was was, was nothing, hardly. It was, he owed him something, but it was very, a fraction of what he had owed the master. And the guy said, just give me some time. Be patient with me. The same thing this slave said to the master, this other slave is saying to him. And the guy had no mercy and threw him in prison. So the master hears about it and calls the first slave in and says, why didn't you have mercy on your fellow slave when I gave you the grace and the mercy and forgave you that massive amount of debt why didn't you respond the same way that you had received from me and uh, of course that guy was thrown in prison as well and judgment was pronounced on him but Jesus basically says we need to be merciful because God has been merciful to us. We need to be kind because God has been kind to us. We need to be holy because God is holy. All of these things we want to do and God gives us the ability to do because we want to be as our Heavenly Father because we are alive. Now that we're alive, we can live and truly live and God is life and so we want to, we want to be as God wants us to be. Let me give you just a couple more uh, examples here. Um, in the life of Jesus' ministry, he wants us to be merciful toward others. Um, the religious leaders of the day had such an understanding of the Old Testament uh, and a passion to obey the laws because God wants us to be obedient. Amen? But what had happened through the years is in their striving to be 
right with God. They felt like it was done by obeying the law. That's how you stay in good connection with God. And so in their desire to obey the law, they would tack on all these other requirements. Um, and so uh, it was a burden to people. If you not only had to follow what God said to do, but then you had to follow the law of the elders and, and do all these extra things to ensure that you're obeying God, it, it became so burdensome. And so at some point, it, you know, it got to the point where well, the Father in heaven said, I got I to gotta correct my children who are trying to walk with me because they've got it wrong. <laughs> they've got the cart before the horse kind of thing, Okay. So in Matthew's gospel, when Matthew actually gets called by Jesus, Matthew is a tax collector. And Jesus said, hey, come and follow me. So Matthew is thrilled that this rabbi, this teacher, this miracle worker, even wants to spend time with him. So Matthew says, of course I'm going to follow you. So he invites Jesus to his house, and he invites some of his friends who are also tax collectors and, and notorious sinners. And so when they're in the house and they're eating, the religious leaders notice this, and they start complaining to Jesus' disciples and said, why is the teacher eating with sinners? And Jesus responds to them. He understands what they're saying. He responds to them and says, you know, those who are sick are the ones who need the doctor. Those who aren't sick don't need the help from a doctor. And then he says this, and it's very interesting. This is in Matthew chapter 9. He says to the religious teachers and, and the leaders, he says, but go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So he says, yeah, you're calling me a teacher, and I am the teacher. So here's what I want you to do. Here's your assignment, basically. Here's what I want you to live out. Here's what I want you to understand, that I desire compassion over sacrifice. And their, their idea of sacrifice was adherence to the law to such a strict degree that that was more important than having compassion and love. And so um, Jesus expected them to do that. Understand what I'm trying to tell you and go out and find out what this means. I want compassion. I want mercy. I want tenderness. I want kindness over your, your sacrificial obedience to me. So a couple of chapters later, sure enough, same group of men uh, are with Jesus. They have watched his disciples go through a grain field, and they take some of the grain, and they're rubbing it, and they're eating the grain. And because they didn't ceremonially wash their hands, and because it was on the Sabbath, they said, okay, not only are they doing work, but, but they, they haven't cleansed their hands like we're supposed to cleanse our hands. And so they're, they're really, they got lots of things to complain to Jesus about about his followers. Okay, if these guys are supposed to be your disciples, you're doing a terrible job of teaching them how to obey God. That's kind of what they're saying. And then Jesus said this. He said, but if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. He's basically saying these guys are innocent and you're condemning them because you don't understand what God wants you to do in response to people in a way of compassion and so basically, it's mercy over which ritual. It's the law of love, which is above the law of sacrifice. And uh, their idea of religion was strict adherence to the law and the commandments of God, which we are to obey. But then the bottom line is mercy is a better way to obey. Mercy, Jesus said, is a better way to obey. I want you to have compassion for people. I want you to, I want you to care for the person and see them as the value that God sees them with, and then care for them. And the way you're caring for people's souls is burdening them. 
It's, it's putting them under such stress to obey God that, that they're not, there's no life, there's no joy, there's no love. You've become so legalistic. You've become so narrow in your understanding of what it means to be in a relationship with the God that created you that you're, you're, destroying, you're destroying any hope that these people have about having a relationship with God. And so Jesus said, learn what this means. I want compassion and not sacrifice. So, so man, God has shown us compassion, amen, and that we were dead in our sins, and he made us alive together with Christ. And I see you guys, I was looking out, I, I know that you have compassion on people. I know that you care for people. That, the insert in our bulletin has all these opportunities, not all the ones that we do, but a lot of the ones that we do. And you guys are doing those things. You're reaching out and caring for those in need. You're giving of your resources to help uh, bless others. And, and you're supporting ministries that are, that are making a huge difference, and not only in our area, but worldwide. And so we're doing that. And so I want to encourage this morning to continue to be merciful, continue to be compassionate, continue to look at people with love and then respond as God shows you how to respond because he's called us to be his hands and feet in this world. He calls us to respond as he would want us to respond, not in judgment, not in harshness, not in burdening people, but in tender mercy and kindness. Now, that doesn't negate the fact that, that we're supposed to be holy as he is holy, to have standards and regulations and things like that. But in the midst of our dealing with people, we, we ought to be tender and kind and merciful and compassionate. And that's what God expects of us because that's how God responded to us. Amen? Amen.